You are listening to the weekly sermon from Elevation Community Church in Blanchester, Ohio. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Phil Nelson. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit myelevationcc.org. everybody welcome it's so glad it's so good to see so many of you new faces welcome guests can we welcome our guest welcome everybody we're so glad you're here um, and then can you keep those applause going for the uh, live stream audience hey we're so glad you're here by the way there are microphones so um, people in the live stream can hear you so it's it's good and especially when you're singing uh, the band just loves to hear you worshiping uh, it encourages them and it allows them to to know that you're worshiping with them and during the message guys it's okay you don't have to be um, hush hush and not say a thing you can agree and and uh, you can nod your heads and let me know that you're not sleeping on me and uh, so we appreciate it how many women enjoyed the glamp out this weekend I, I know there's a couple of you. Uh, some of you, uh, the others are spending time with their kids and trying to uh, um, recover, shall we say. So we're going to hear from the ladies next Sunday of what God uh, has done and uh, how God moved. Um, you know, in, in light of COVID, in light of this season, so many churches aren't handing out bulletins or welcome cards anymore. And so I just thought it would be fun to go back uh, pre-COVID and just look at some of the really mishaps and the bloopers that uh, end up on church papers or websites and emails, just how one word can change everything. So let's look at this. First one, the ladies' Bible study will be held Thursday morning at 10. All ladies are invited to the lunch in the fellowship hall after the BS is done. Someone did not do a grammar check. Uh, next one. The pastor would appreciate it if the ladies of the congregation would lend them their electric girdles for the pancake breakfast next Sunday morning. Keep your girdles at home. So all I'm going to say, is that even a thing in 2020? I don't know. Ushers will eat latecomers. That is a great way to keep people being on time for sure. Smile at someone who is hard to love. Say hell to someone who doesn't care much about you. Oh, is right, right? One letter. This is my favorite. The over-60s choir will be disbanded for the summer with the thanks of the entire church. <laughs> the sermon this morning, Jesus walks on the water. Tonight's message, searching for Jesus. Come on, you got to laugh at that. Come on, people. And then this one goes with the message we're doing. I just think it's great. Obviously, someone uh, did voice to text on this one. As we grow spiritually, may we continue to look more like Cheez-Its. <laughs> well, that's interesting. Never thought about that. Many of you are going to dress for Halloween as a Cheez-It now. Um, but isn't that crazy how so often just one little thing mixes up the whole message? And so let me ask you this. What do you look like? Do you look like Cheez-Its? <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, what you consume is kind of what you become, right? 
Do you look more like the world that we live in, or do you look more like Jesus? Now, this message today is really for anybody who says, yeah, you know what, I'm, I would say that I'm a Christian. This message is really to challenge you to really rethink what Christianity is all about. Because Jesus says that Christianity, the kingdom of God, is about reflecting him, imitating Jesus, innovating Jesus in you in a way that only you can through his presence in you. But we are called to look like Jesus. But we have this thing called the world that is broken and destroyed over sin. Have you looked around you lately? Sure doesn't look like Jesus. But we are called in this dark time to rise up and look more and more like Jesus. This is something we need as Christians to take a very serious look at. Because if we're not looking like Jesus, what are we looking like? Because we sure know, as a Christian, we should at least have some knowledge of what it looks like to follow Jesus. But do we really know how we are to live our lives so that others see Jesus in us? It's different from knowing how to follow Jesus than actually showing others Jesus in you. So would you just pray with me real quick? I just want to ask the Lord to come in a way that only he can come. And I, I always encourage our Elevation Community Church body to just kind of extend your hands, palms up to God, like, like you're expecting and anticipating God to bring something to you through the power of his word. You see, Jesus is in the business of transformation, not information, transformation. If we just receive information, God, this morning, it's, it really is a sad thing in the kingdom of heaven. So, Lord, I just pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit, the heart of the Father, and the work of the Son, Jesus, that you would bring transformation in the way we think, in the way we see things, and the way we show Jesus in our lives. In Jesus' name, Amen. So today, I want to do two things. What does it look like to look like Jesus? And I want you to continue just do an inventory, not a condemnation inventory, not guilt, not shame, just a correction. Just to say, you know what? Actually, I have not been doing that. I'm not looking like that. Well, Jesus says, receive the forgiveness, cleanse yourself, and focus on him. And so we're going to look at what it looks like to look more like Jesus. But the second point that we're going to spend the most part of our time is how do we look at the things in life around us that come at us, that are in us, and happen to us? How do we look at those things? Do we look at those things more like Jesus or more like the world? And this is where I think the rubber hits the road for the church. This is where I think the church is very challenged, especially in this day and age, 
when persecution and questioning and judgment and chaos is starting to rise, will the church not just look more like Jesus, but will we think and look at others and other things happening in our nation and our world more like Jesus? So number one, in order to look like Jesus, we need to know Jesus. In order to look like your mom and dad, you need to know your mom and dad. You need to spend time with mom and dad. Mom and dad, one of the greatest joys is watching your kids imitate you. And one of the greatest curses is watching your kids imitate you. Lauren will say, where did Joseph hear that? Sorry. Right? But how awesome is it when your kids start to do things that they see you do? One of the greatest blessings that you can have spiritually in a kid's life is watch them worship. Start teaching your kids how to worship. How do you teach them? Show them. If you're not doing it, they won't either. It's so cool when you watch into your kids, no matter how old they are or young they are, when you peek in and they don't know that you're watching them and you start to see these patterns that they're imitating you, the healthy patterns, it's a joy. And that's what God wants from us. He wants us to spend enough time with Jesus and allow Jesus to transform our hearts to where we begin to imitate him because that's what we're called to do. So I just wanna, in this point, I wanna do a simple thing. I'm gonna go fast. So if you are a note taker or you're a note taker on the phone, jot these scriptures down and use them later on uh, today or this week to do the research yourself and to see what it looks like to imitate Jesus. You see, in order to imitate, we need to know the person, but we also need to spend time to know how to imitate that person. Do you realize that the people that you value most and the people you hang out with most are the ones you tend to imitate? And so when we see in the church a lack of people imitating Jesus, that tells us possibly that we're looking to other sources than Jesus and his word in our lives. And can I even say this? There's a reason why in this nation we've become a post-Christian nation. It's not that just people don't want to know God or know truth. It's people want to see Jesus. And I think the church as a whole needs to wake up and start living and showing Jesus. Just think about any church background or church experiences that were negative and unhealthy that you've had. That impacts someone's view of God and of Jesus. And sadly, there are so many people that refuse to have anything to do with Christianity or God because of what they experienced through a church not being like Jesus. Now, we're not perfect, and we're gonna get things wrong. 
And this guy right here is gonna mess up and disappoint you. But as long as we are trying to point you towards the author and finisher of our faith, that's what's important. So what does it look, look like to look like Jesus? Let's look at scripture. Because this day and age, we look at everything and anything else but scripture to tell us truth. So if we wanna know what to look like and how to look like Jesus, let's look at the word. First, we start with 1 John chapter two. Talks about you can only serve two masters. You can only look like two different people or things. Number one is you're either gonna look like Jesus, the kingdom of heaven, or you're going to look like the enemy, the kingdom of this world. You have the kingdom of heaven that is at war with the kingdom of this world. And you're either living for one and against the other, or for the other and against the one. And so let's look at this. Do not love this world nor the things that it offers you. For when you love the world, James in chapter four actually says, for loving the world means you're friends with the world. When you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. Means you're the enemy of God. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is, say those two words with me, fading away. That's what you need to understand. The world that we so often imitate is fading away. Jesus, who we ought to be imitating, will last forever. These are not from the Father, but are above this world, and this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. So let's now look what it may be understood as looking like Jesus. Let's look at Jesus. Philippians 2 tells us that he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he left his throne, his heavenly throne, and became one of us. And so he lived like us in the slavery and the bondage that we live in, but he did not sin he felt like us. He had the same emotions. He went through everything that we experience today. Every temptation, he had them all, and yet he did not sin. He humbled himself. Another translation says he emptied himself, and he became obedient to God. How many of us who are trying to imitate Jesus hate obedience? We think that it's a curse word in the church. Obedience is not a bad thing. It's absolutely a heavenly thing because obedience shows where you're devoted. Obedience shows what you value. Obedience shows what you adore and what you are committed to. Obedience is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Disobedience, however, is something we should be afraid of. 
And I don't mean that God's going to come down with a lightning bolt and strike you dead. I mean when we're disobedient, we push the hand of a disciplined father to correct us, and correction doesn't feel good. So let's look at Jesus. Luke 18, verse 27. Here we go. I'm going to sit down for this. When Jesus is challenged how it's humanly impossible to find salvation, he replies, what is impossible for people is possible with God. First thing to know, in order to imitate Jesus, it's impossible for you to do it in your own strength. You have to do it by the Spirit of God. Number two, Galatians 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. So it's impossible for you to do it in your own strength. And you have to die to your own strength so that, the, that Christ and his life can live in you. Colossians 1, verses 27, the riches of glory of this mystery. Do you know that the gospel of Jesus is a mystery to those who are blind, those who have a veil over their eyes? They need the Holy Spirit to lift that veil so they can see. The riches of the glorious mystery, the mystery. Is this a mystery to you? That Christ is in you. Christ is lives in you. That's why we are called to imitate him because what's in us should come out. Christ in you and Christ is the hope of glory. Coloss- uh, excuse me, 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we all with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness. Same image image. Do you know that you are created in the image of Christ? We imitate that in which we look in the mirror. Are we seeing the world around us or are we seeing Jesus in front of us? We are called to be image bearers of Jesus, but how can we be image bearers if Jesus isn't being shown in our lives? John chapter three, verse 30. I love this, John. Uh, Jesus says this, he must increase, but I must decrease. Jesus himself, I must decrease. Jesus must increase. In order to imitate Jesus, he must be at the front and the center of your life. So often we take ourselves off of the sacrificial altar and we put Jesus on there where he already was on the cross. Jesus is supposed to be front and center always. I say it this way in actor's terms. I've been in theater almost all my life. And so we know that if you have a lead role, you're the one with the, the lines and the solo, no one better be upstaging you. Because so often, you know, in like, like uh, little kids' productions, you, you see the one with the solo and the, the one kid, it's got to go potty, you know, and then over here and the other kid's going, hi, wow, you know. They're upstaging the person that's supposed to be in the light. And so our goal as Christians is to get as far behind the scenes as possible 
So Jesus is fully in the spotlight of our lives. That's where we say, if more of you, Jesus, means less of me, get me out of the way. Get me out of the way. Take all of me. Take everything, Jesus, because you're my desire and you're my treasure. And lastly, Ephesians 5, 1 verse 2. Therefore, be, what's that word? Imitators of God. It's very clear. We are supposed to imitate God. Well, what does that look like? You walk in love. Christ came not to be served, but to serve. If we are to imitate Christ, we must follow suit. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love as Christ loved us. And what? Gave himself up for us. One of the hardest things it's to do as Christians is to look at and to treat other people who oppose us and don't believe the same things we do or don't have the same political platform that we do. It is so difficult to give up your own way to reach that person. But that's what Jesus did. And if we want to look more like Jesus, that's what our lives should look like. How is your life reflecting Jesus? There's a proverb that actually says, as the water reflects your face, so should one's behavior reflect their heart. Who you imitate What you are doing will reflect who you imitate. Let me say that again. How you live your life, how you treat others, how you think through things, how you prioritize, how you deal with conflict reflects who you're imitating. It's very simple. So where are you? Where do you need to tweak your life? Where do you need to come back to the altar, the cross, and get back in alignment so that you are imitating the Jesus that you know, that you live with, the Jesus that you're in relationship with and that you're learning from? Second point is this. How do we look at life around us Does it look more like Jesus and how he lived, how he modeled, how he treated others, his philosophy of life? Or does it look more like the world? Which if you have looked recently, the world is looking not so much like Jesus. But the Bible predicted that and said that that would happen. And it has happened for thousands of years. That's the the consequence of sin. 
So do we look at everything and everyone that we see and feel and experience more like Jesus or more like the world? Here's another question. It may be confusing, but does your life look more like Jesus or does it look more like the church you say you go to? What I mean by that is yes, hopefully you're in a church where you are imitating the truth of the gospel. However, we know in this fallen world, there are churches that have been led astray, misguided, and the way they live their lives and treat other people is not the way that Jesus looks. It's not how he designed. If the church was truly, local churches were truly reflecting the heart of Jesus in everything they say and do, we would not be able to have enough services in the buildings of churches to fit everybody who's drawn to Christ. And so what's so sad is so many people grow up and imitate their parents' faith or imitate what they've been taught in the church. And they never aligned it to the word of God. And we're seeing so many people impacted because of that. Our hope here at ECC is you can look at the leadership and you can look at who we are as a church and be able to imitate that. As Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ but you should never, ever grow up in a church and just believe hook, line, and sinker what the pastor tells you. It's what Jesus says. Because here's the thing, guys, I'm being real. I sometimes misquote Jesus. I sometimes get it wrong. And if you take my word verbatim, I could be leading you down a very slippery, dangerous slope because I'm human and broken. So check everything with the word of God. Okay, so let's look. I'd like to look at two things in how we look at things around us. It's not the normal. There's, there, we could talk about politics, how we look at politics. Hey, guess what? We are. There's a series. Let's put, put that image on. Series starting next Sunday. Yes, we're doing it. We're going to challenge everybody. We are not going to tell you how to vote. That is your personal free gift and right. But as people, Christians belonging to not this country, we belong to the kingdom of God. We should vote accordingly to the kingdom of God. And that does not belong to one party. Now, one party has it right. Completely, 100% right. So I say all this to encourage, if you are not registered as an American citizen to vote, what are you doing? I love you. So many people in other countries would give their life to give freedom to their next generation to vote. Even more importantly, whether you agree with me politically or not, as a Christian, where freedoms of religion and our Christian 
rights are being threatened, okay? And even in the future, more things are gonna happen that we see in the Bible and the church is called to take a stand. And one way the church can take a stand is by having a voice and vote, okay? So if you have not registered or you're not planning to vote, please give us these next couple weeks. But the deadline to register to vote is October 5th, okay? So you can do that. That's the plug there. The first thing I wanna look at, if I haven't stepped on toes already, is a word called prosperity. Now, I am not going to throw anyone under the bus. I'm not gonna talk ill of any teacher of God because I believe, actually, that teachers who do get this wrong so often are still beloved children of God (laughs) where the Holy Spirit, Christ, dwells within them. It just, again, we so often get pulled away from truth even in the church. And so I wanna look at prosperity because I think this is a hangup in churches. A lot of people who are looking at Christianity, they can't believe that this is being taught. And if they do believe it's being taught, they end up very disappointed in the end when things don't go their way. The secular definition of prosperity is this. Again, we're talking about how we look at things around us. Number one, Secular definition, a successful, flourishing, or thriving condition, especially in financial respects, good fortune. So if your business is going under, you're probably not looking as prosperous, right? Your corporation is not doing so well. Your reputation is not doing so well. You don't have many friends on Facebook. You're probably not prosperous, right? Well, let's look at now a teaching that again, is more around than, uh, sadly, um, it should be, but I want to teach truths this morning. And if this strikes you as um, I'm hammering down on other churches, I, I really am not. I'm trying to get us to think and go back to what it looks like to look at things around us through the lens of Jesus, not necessarily the American church. Okay? So prosperity gospel really teaches financial blessing and physical well-being. Stop right there. Don't read on. Don't read on. That in of itself, I would say amen and amen. God's desire is to lavish his love and his blessings on his children who are walking in faith in obedience to him. Would you all agree? Okay. So absolutely, there is blessing in being God's children that doesn't come from this world. For God be against, uh, if God be for us, no one can be against us. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Nothing on earth will ever be able to separate us from the love of God. So that is true. I get that. However, then to say it's always the will of God. So if you have a knee problem or a back problem or a neck injury or you're in a car accident or something bad happens to you, what do you do? Because God's will is for always for you to have what you think you need. Okay? Okay? 
And then it teaches that faith and positive speech and donations to religious causes will increase one's material wealth. I'll tell you what, about 12 years ago, actually, wow, I'm old. It was 20 years ago. I was watching TV late at night, and I saw a minister come on TV, and he started talking about blessing. He started using different scriptures out of context. And then he pulls his checkbook out. And he says, if you donate $1,000 to this ministry, two things will happen. Number one, I will send you a cloth that is anointed in oil, and you are to put it over your checkbook when it comes in the mail. And your finances will double. If I ever got close to cussing, it was then. The enemy is out to steal, kill, and destroy. And I can't think of a greater thing in the church than to start to put entitlement on who we are. I'm going off my notes now. Hear me. Just hear me. Jesus offers prosperity to us in every form and every way. But we see it very differently in this culture. You see, when Jesus left his throne and came to us, he could have brought his prosperous kingdom with him. And every blessing and no heartache and no more sorrow, and no more pain, no more sickness, no more crying, no more tears. Hello, friends, that's coming. It's just not right now. And we live in a world that is broken and fallen, and Jesus says, in this world, you will face many heartaches, many trials, many pains, many challenges. Some of you right now are in a broken marriage. Your kids are going astray, and you don't know what they're thinking. Does that mean that you're not naming and claiming it and in the will of God? No. Because this is Jesus' plan for us. It's not what happens to you. It's what happens in you what counts. In this world, you will have many heartache, many sorrows, many troubles, but take heart. I've overcome them all. And so can you. But we have to look more like Jesus. And sadly, friends, not sadly, but it's just the way we, it's just the way the world is. God uses the weakness and the fallen world's consequences in our lives to strengthen us. And so here's prosperity redefined. Prosperity is not about a Christian drive through that you go and give your wishes and you know what? Oh, I'm, my job's, I've lost my job. I need a job right now and I'm gonna go through and I know he's just gonna give it to me right now because I just, that's what I want, that's what I need. We have to be very, 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 very careful. Yes, God is for you. He is absolutely for you. He wants to bless you in every way. But are we focused more on the blessings happening to us. 
than the blessings we already have in Christ. Prosperity should be defined like this. Can we put it on the screen? It's the definition. I'm sorry. Let me get to my notes. When we look at what, hap what is happening around us, to us, and in us, through the lens of Christ's victory on the cross, we then stay focused on our living hope, living in the fullness of God's kingdom now, but the kingdom of prosperity that's also coming, no more tears, no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, they will be gone forever. When we have our eyes fixed on that, it changes everything. We now become aware of how richly blessed we actually are and not what we think we need. God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Here it is, 1 Peter chapter 1. His divine power has granted to us, what's those two words? Say it loud. All things, all things that pertain to life right now, living imitating Christ and godliness. You know what godliness is? Looking like God. Through the knowledge, so number one, you need knowledge of him who called us. You need his glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become imitators, partakers, reflections of the divine nature. How are you looking at things around you will be impacted of what you allow to be downloaded in your life. You see, the prosperous, victorious mindset that I believe is biblically grounded, it's based and built upon the foundation of what Christ has done for you alone. Alone. And it allows us to see the problems that we face and our circumstances and what we have and don't have in a completely different light. Let me give you an example. Problems. Do you see them as problems or attacks? Or what am I doing wrong? Or God is punishing me? Or do you see them as opportunities to increase your faith and to become light where there's darkness in you? Are problems opportunities or are problems obstacles for you? Setbacks. We all have them. Setbacks. Do they really push you back or do they allow you to be reminded that you are set apart for a kingdom that is unshakable and will never fade away? We are set apart for his purposes. And setbacks often remind us that we are not of this world. Viruses, pandemics, Natural disasters, chaos, anxiety, panic, division. Do you see them as disasters? Or do you see them as launch pads for us to be Jesus 
to the hurting, the broken, and the lost around us. You see, here's the definition of prosperity again. When we look at what is happening around us, to us, and in us, through the lens of Christ's victory, we can stay focused on the living hope. That's the blessing we have. Yes, Jesus wants to bless you in everything. And yes, he blesses faithfulness. And yes, he blesses a generous heart and a cheerful heart. And yes, he blesses obedience. But are we after the blessings or are we after the one who blesses? Big difference. Don't believe me? When your kids go, get old enough, and all they do is come around when they need a blessing and they need money and they need help and that's all they come to you for, what's your relationship with your kids look like? Probably breaks your heart, doesn't it? Makes you crumble inside because you want so much more than just you having to give them, give them, help them, help them, bless them. You want their hearts. You want their devotion. You want their relationship. You know what? God is the same way. He wants to bless you. But if you're just after his blessings, you're going to be disappointed. Because, friends, it's not about what happens to you. It's about what God wants to do in you. To look more and more like his son. The second thing, and I'm just gonna, I know I'm running out of time. The second thing is once you understand prosperity through the lens of Jesus. Do you know, by the way, Jesus was not called the man of prosperity? He was called the man of sorrows. Acquainted with grief. Stricken by God. Crushed. For what? For your prosperity. Yes, that prosperity can take root and manifest itself right now in your life. But if we're not focused on the eternal prosperity, we will miss Jesus every time. The world will glitter and glisten and draw our attention every time if we get our eyes off of our living hope. So there's a word, and it's... it's, it's contentment. How in the world as Christians are we to live a life of contentment with everything going on? I want to give you two scriptures and then we're going to close. Paul says this, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this thorn in the flesh. Some people think it was physical sickness. Some people think it was lust. Some people think it's whatever. That's not the point for this message. But he had a thorn in the flesh, a, te a, a temptation, a struggle, where it caused him to say, the things that I want to do, I don't do, and the things that I hate, I do. Oh, wretched man, that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ, my Lord. So that's a scripture that shows his human humanity. Paul was a man of prosperity, but he did not go around beating himself up because the thorn of the flesh would not be taken away. He said, may I decrease and Christ increase. Look, he says, 
I kept naming and claiming it and speaking in Jesus' name for this to go away. But what did God do? He took it away. No, he didn't. He didn't. He left it for a reminder that my grace, you know what grace is? Undeserved favor. My grace is sufficient for you, 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 all of you. For my power is made perfect in your weakness. You see, if we didn't have weaknesses, if we didn't have struggles and challenges, we would forget whose power we are to live by. Therefore, I will boast more gladly in my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me for the sake of Christ. Then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I'm weak, I know I'm strong. And the last scripture I want to focus on is Paul again says, for I have learned to be content regardless of my circumstances. Right there is not the prosperity gospel. Now there's prosperity in Jesus, but it looks a whole lot different than we try to make it in our human nature. I know how to live humbly and I know how to abound. You see the the hang up with prosperity is you're good with abounding. That means your faith is working. But when you lack and you lose your job and finances go crazy and you realize one of your kids just totally uh, used your credit card and put you way in debt, that you are still prosperous in Christ. That just breaks my heart. It it just breaks my heart because that's not the heart of God. I know how to live humbly and I know how to abound. I am accustomed to any and every situation, to being filled and being hungry, to have plenty and to have need. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And we see that scripture all over. Athletes' shirts, their race that they're running, they're gonna proclaim that for victory and I'm not saying that that's wrong. We see it on bumper stickers. When we're going to take the ACT test or a big driver's test or whatever, we have that in front of us. I can do all things. And sure, that can relate. But what Paul's talking about is all things, meaning everything that happens to you. Everything that comes your way that tries to pull you aside and, and, and Take your focus off of Jesus. Anything that you cannot control, anything that you cannot handle in your own strength, Jesus wants to give you the strength that you need to overcome. Not to be successful necessarily. Not to get what you want. Not to win something, but to endure. To look more and more like Jesus. Do you know, friends, Not everything that happens to you is good. Just ask my dad. Just ask anyone who's lost a loved one, let alone a child. Not everything is good. Jesus said that. 
We're going to face things that aren't good. But here's the beautiful thing. In Romans 8, it says, in all things, God works together for good for those who love him and are called to his purposes. Band, would you come up? Would you bow your heads with me real quick? I just want us to take a moment before we get going with our day again and get busy with all the things that are in our schedule for the day. I really do believe, church, that if we can start to overcome this issue of how we look like Jesus and how we look at other people and other things around us more like Jesus, I believe that it will impact and even fix so much in and around us. The world is dying to know Jesus. And the world is dying to see Jesus in you. So real quick, where in your life right now, one thing, one thing that God is putting on your heart that needs to look more like Jesus in your life? One thing. What is it? And it's one thing just to think about it and to know it and be convicted. It's another thing to truly lay it down and allow Christ to transform you and change you to look more like him. Friends, I need to be honest with you. I had to delete Facebook off my phone because I was starting to imitate things in my life and react to people in judgmental ways. But if it consumes us and we're imitating it, it's not good. So where do you need to look more like Jesus? And I just want you to just give it to him right now. Give it to him right now. Even hold your hands out in front of you and whatever that one thing is that God has placed on your heart that either needs to change or need to, needs to be added into your life, needs to be taken away, whatever it is. I want you now to say, if more of you, repeat after me, if more of you means less of me, take it, Lord. Now, I want everybody to repeat after me. If more of you means less of me, take it, Lord. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. If you'd like to go deeper with another resource from our church, please check out our weekly impact Bible study podcast as well. Both of our weekly podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.